Welcome back, everyone, and thank you for joining us for today's podcast from Dublin First Baptist Church in Dublin, North Carolina. We hope you'll be encouraged today as you listen to our message. For more information, please visit our website at www.dublinfbc.org. That's www.dublinfbc.org. Now let's join the congregation of Dublin First Baptist as we listen to the preaching of God's Word. Well, that's the best Christmas music I've heard all season. I don't know about you, but it was awesome to hear it live, and I'm so thankful that you're all here this morning to celebrate Jesus Christ and all that God is for us in Jesus, and um, it was beautiful, really. And Tommy, thank you for picking those. I did not know Angels from the Realms of Glory, that first song we sang, it has seven verses, I think at least seven, and we sang one and five and six and seven, and you want to talk about worship songs that are completely filled with doctrine. You all got like a Bible college seminary education and three hymns this morning. Um, will you turn with me to 1 John 5, 11 to 13, where we read just a minute ago. And when we met together last night at Christmas Eve, uh, we looked at what God says here in 1 John. We were back in chapter 3. Uh, we looked at what God says about why Jesus was born, that, that he was born to die. And there are times uh, when I have considered God's provision of salvation for us in Jesus Christ uh, in that manner, and I thought, well, you know, really, really we are all born to die, aren't we? I mean, we are from the moment we're born, that unless Christ comes back and we trust Christ as our Savior, that is what's ahead for us. Um, but do you realize that was not God's intent when he created the world and everything in it, including you and I? Um, Death only came to be a reality when we brought sin into this world. Uh, Jesus wasn't just born to die. He was also born to rise. Amen? Amen. That's what we celebrate every single Sunday when we meet here together. Uh, The salvation that is ours through faith and God's grace to us in Jesus Christ. Uh, Because of that, when you and I are born again, when we trust in Jesus as our Savior, we are also born to rise. Now, I realize it's Christmas. I'm not confused, thinking it is Easter. Um, I would, wouldn't mind some Easter temperatures right now. Um, but in preparation for our Christmas Eve and Christmas Day worship services, I just think it is so wonderful that Christmas falls on a Sunday, Amen. the Lord's Day, when we gather together to worship. So yes, we'll celebrate his birth, but the reason we meet on Sunday and the church has met on Sunday since it began after Christ's resurrection and the Holy Spirit's coming, is because we're celebrating the day he rose from the grave. It was on a Sunday, so we get to celebrate that. Not just his birthday, not just his death and his atonement for us, but also his resurrection this morning. And it's important that we do because of the implications of Christ's resurrection. Here in chapter 5 of 1 John, the Apostle John, he's wrapping up his letter to the churches, including us, and, and he clearly and he concisely declares the gospel beginning in verse 11. He says, and this is the record, or he could say this is the testimony from God's word, that God hath given to us eternal life, and this life is in his Son. Now, in the next two verses, uh, God is going to describe just who this us is from verse 11, the us he has given eternal life to. But I want to emphasize here, at the end of verse 11, this eternal life, it is in his Son, in God's Son, Jesus Christ. And it's only in God's Son. We learned last night from 1 John 3, 5 and 8, we learned the reason 
that Jesus came, the reason he was born, the reason for the season that we are celebrating. Uh, when we celebrate Christ's birth, we are celebrating that he was born to die, to be the Savior for our sins. It was God's purpose. It was God's plan for Jesus to come and to live the perfect life of obedience to God that we didn't live. It was God's purpose. It was God's plan for Jesus to come and to die for our sins in our place so that if we will place our faith in Jesus Christ for salvation, we can be restored to an eternal relationship with God. But it, it would require more than just the death of Christ for us, for that to occur. Well, like 1 John 3, 8 told us, Jesus came to destroy the works of the devil. He came to destroy sin and, and what sin results in, death. Jesus came to destroy that. And I'm so thankful for Christ's substitutionary death for my sin in my place. But the salvation that God provides us in Jesus Christ, it wouldn't be possible. It could not be made available to us if that was the end of the story. Jesus died for us. It's not the end of the story, is it? No. That's right. It's not. Uh, Jesus did not stay dead. He didn't remain in that grave. He was born to die, but he was also born to rise, destroying, destroying that work of the devil that death is. We sing it all the time. That's our victory in Jesus, amen? That's what it is right there. Uh, when we trust in Jesus Christ alone as our Savior, we are born again. We have new life in Christ right here and right now, and we have eternal life promised to us, guaranteed to us with Christ then and there one day. And this is the primary implication of Christ's resurrection and why he was not just born to die, but he was also born to rise. What a precious doctrine God communicates to us through Paul in Romans 4.25. Let me quote it for you. Jesus Christ was delivered over to death for our sins and raised to life for our justification. Did you get that? He was delivered over to death for our sins, but he was raised to life for our justification. Typically, when we think of how we're justified before God, how we can be brought back into a right relationship with God, we mainly consider Christ's substitutionary death for us, his shed blood on the cross, and we should. We're going to in just a moment when we observe the Lord's Supper. Uh, our sins are atoned for. We are justified by Christ's shed blood on the cross, by Jesus dying the death that we deserved in our place. But God has Paul say here in Romans 4.25 that Jesus was raised to life for our justification. And it's the resurrection. It's the resurrection of Jesus Christ. What we celebrate here every Sunday when we come to worship, uh, the day he rose from the grave, this is the essential component, the resurrection of Christ, the essential component of our being brought back into right relationship with God. And that's because of this implication of Christ's resurrection. We will rise too. We will. We will rise too. Uh, that's God's message through us, uh, to us through the Apostle Paul and much of 1 Corinthians 15, that Jesus was raised from the dead because Jesus rose from the grave, because Jesus has eternal life. Every single person who is united to Christ by faith, by receiving Christ as Savior, every single person that is justified before God because of their faith in Christ will also rise, just like Jesus did. And hey, that's the us of verse 11 there. That's the us who is given eternal life and that life in God's Son. Verse 12 goes even further to delineate uh, that division. He who has the Son 
has life. And he that hath not the Son of God hath not life. Do you have Jesus? I mean, there's only two groups of people, those who have the Son and those who don't. Do you have Jesus this morning? Do you have new life in Christ now because you've received that best Christmas gift that was ever given? Salvation through faith in Jesus Christ because of God's grace. Do you have new life in Christ now and guaranteed eternal life with him forever? Uh, you do if you have done what verse 13 describes. Verse 13, John says this. He's wrapping it up here. These things have I written unto you that believe on the name of the Son of God, that you may know that ye have eternal life, and that ye may believe on the name of the Son of God. I remember learning this verse in Awana. It was one of the first ones, like in just about every book, it seemed. It was a long one. Well, I had to divide it up into sections and get it right. It took me couple weeks to, to get this one checked off. And, and I always thought, well, this is a funny verse because like some of the phrases are the same. It begins the same and it ends the same. These things have I written unto you that believe on the name of the Son of God. Okay, that, that's us who have received Christ the Savior. Um, that ye may know that you have eternal life. Well, that's important. And that ye may believe. Well, wait a minute. I already believe in the name of the Son of God. Well, why does he uh, say this here? What is God saying here? He's saying you have new life in Christ now and you have guaranteed eternal life if you believe. If you place your faith in who Jesus is and what he has done for you, and if you have received him as your Savior. He's giving the gospel to these Christians. Why, do you, why does the Christian need the gospel? You may wonder that. If you come here to church, you might have asked that. I mean, you might say, Jason, you, you, you talk about the gospel every single Sunday. We've already received it. We've already trusted Christ as Savior. Why do you keep talking about it? Because you still need it. Because you're benefited by it. You're assured of your salvation by it. You're assisted to continue in your faith in Christ by the truth of the gospel. That's what John says here. I'm writing to you these things to, to you who believe on the name of the Son of God. Because I want you to know. I want you to have an assurance that you have eternal life. And I want you to believe. I want you, in the Greek, I want you to continue to believe. I want you to persevere in your faith. Do you know that you can know that's what 1 John is all about, how you can know, you can be assured that you're saved, that you have eternal life because of what Jesus Christ has done for you. We, we can only know this if our faith rests in Jesus, and that's God's message to us through John here. Your faith has to rest in Jesus Christ for your salvation, not in your performance, not in your works, and thank God that's the case. Because do you know what happens if my salvation depends on me and how I'm doing for God right now? Do you know what happens? Well, on days when I'm a super Christian, yeah, I have a rock-solid assurance that I'm saved and I'm going to heaven. But on those days that I'm struggling with sin and I'm not doing so well and I'm not living like I know I should for Jesus Christ, um, I don't know if I am or I don't know if I'm not. That is not how God wants a Christian to live. And if, if that's what you're doing, your faith is not resting only on Jesus Christ. That's what it should be. That's where your, your faith should be placed. Do you ever feel like your faith is weak? I do. I wish it were stronger sometimes. And thank God I'm not saved by the strength of my faith, but I'm saved by the strength of the one in whom I place my faith. Amen. And he's infinitely strong, and he's eternally strong to save. Oh, how terrible, how anti-gospel uh, is the, the idea that what I do or what I don't do might save me. Well, because my salvation, my eternal life depends on the work of Jesus Christ alone for me in my place, I can know, as it says here, I can know that I have eternal life because his work for me is complete. 
What did he say on that cross? It is finished. It's finished. That's awesome. Uh, we're raised to new life spiritually. We're born again. God's word calls us new creations the very moment that we trust in Christ as our Savior and receive him. And we are promised the resurrection of our physical bodies, eternal life. As sure as Jesus was raised up from the grave, we are promised that as well when Christ returns. Well, let's consider that right before we close here, the imminency of his return. You know what? You might get a new eternal physical body without dying first if you have trusted in Christ as your Savior. That would be my preference. I'm always, uh, I would prefer that Jesus would come back. Um, there's a few things that we know about uh, Christ coming back for us on this day that we're celebrating his first coming for us. We, we know from God's word that Jesus has promised to return. And we know we don't know when. We know those two things. <laughs> we know from God's word that he will return, and we know from God's word that we don't know exactly when. It's imminent. That's what God's word teaches. God uses various phrases and images throughout uh, scripture to communicate the imminency of uh, Christ's return for us. Um, God tells us through the Apostle Paul in 1 Thessalonians 5, 2, you yourselves know perfectly that the day of the Lord cometh as a thief in the what? Night, a thief in the night. Um, it will be imminent. It'll be unexpected. Are you ready? God uses the same description in 2 Peter 3.10 and Revelation 3.3 and Revelation 16.15. Wouldn't it be wonderful if this was not just Christmas Day and this was not just Christmas Day on a Sunday, the Lord's Day when we celebrate his resurrection, but this would also be the day when Jesus Christ returns for us? Wouldn't that be wonderful on this Christmas day? Uh, that this would be the day of the blessed hope and the glorious appearing of our great God and Savior Jesus Christ? That'd be the second greatest Christmas gift we could ever have. As we move right now to celebrate the Lord's Supper together this Christmas, I, I invite you to turn with me uh, to 1 Corinthians uh, chapter 11. That is where um, we're told about, uh, we're commanded and, and, and the Lord's Supper observance is described. 1 Corinthians 11 verses 23 to 26, and I'll read those as we celebrate it here in just a moment. Um, but I do want to draw your attention, once you get there, please drop down to that last verse, verse 26. 1 Corinthians eleven twenty six, 26, where God's word says this, for as often as you eat this bread and drink of this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he should come. What God desires for us in this ordinance we're about to participate in, that this gift he has given to us, he desires that we should meditate on and celebrate Christ's death for us, the salvation that we have through his his sacrifice for us. And because we do it on Sunday, on the Lord's Day, the day we meet to celebrate Christ's resurrection, Jesus being born to rise, we, we also, as we participate in this, we ought to celebrate and meditate on Christ's resurrection. He didn't stay dead. And that has implications for us who have trusted in Christ as Savior because we are now born to rise as well. And finally, pay attention to those last four words of verse 26. Every single time we participate in this gift to us at the Lord's Supper is we have to be reminded that we are doing this until Christ returns for us. And when he does, we don't need to celebrate Jesus this way anymore. We, we won't have to have communion or the Lord's Supper any longer because faith will be sight. Won't that be awesome? Jesus will be right there. We won't need this precious shadow as beautiful and wonderful as it is, because Jesus, he will be our eternal, ever-present reality. 
And to help us meditate on these three grace-infusing truths as we celebrate the Lord's Supper, that Jesus has died for us, that Jesus has rose for us, and that Jesus is returning for us. Um, we have a song that the ladies are going to sing. As soon as they're done, I'll ask the deacons to come forward to prepare to serve the Lord's Supper. <laughs>